welcome to a special edition of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. I'm joined uh, by Old Man Trev. Uh, I'm Fergus, obviously. I'm joined by Old Man Trev, and I'm joined by uh, Daniel Mountley from the Islington Gazette, and Joanne Tester, uh, who is um, a member of the Arsenal Supporters Trust and also a writer for She War. Um, the reason we've got uh, put this podcast together is basically um, about the We Care Do You hashtag letter. That is uh, that was issued to the Cronkies earlier this week. Um, we're going to have a quick look over that, um, and there was also some strategy meetings and stuff that have taken place uh, since that. And we've had the response back from Josh. So first of all, introducing um, Dan. Dan from the uh, is it Dan or Daniel? Which do you prefer? Uh, we'll, we'll go with Dan. Dan, yeah, I'm, I'm very <laughs> informal. Dan from the Island Gazette. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you, Fergus. How are you? Yeah, yeah, very well, very well. I had a little bit of technical glitches to try and get this going. It's taken us a, a little while, but we're, we're, we're here and we're and, and we're up and running. So, Dan, give a quick intro to, about yourself. You took over on the Islington Gazette recently, didn't you? Uh, yeah, so I took over about a month ago from uh, Leif Yusuf, who's obviously, you know, did fantastic work with the Islington Gazette. He's uh, moved on now, but, yeah, taken over his role. He's going really well, enjoying it. Obviously, it's been quite a hectic time with the uh, We Care to You campaign, uh, the season coming up, pre-season season tour in America as well, transfers, so quite a busy time, but yes, going really well and enjoying it, so. And Joanne, we've got you on at last. Do you want to um, introduce yourself and give a, a little bit of a background of where where you are and what you're doing? Um, yeah, cool. So I've, um, obviously I've been involved with the campaign. Um, I've been a member of AST for a few years. I also write for um, she wore occasionally and have followed Arsenal for um, about 33 years now, home and away. So um, so this has all, I've been involved in other campaigns over the years, um, but this one obviously has taken um, taken the world by storm. I think, I, I think that's very much the case, that it has taken the world by storm. The media have really grabbed onto it, and I think the fan base have grabbed onto it, because unlike the... Uh, Wenger in, Wenger out whatever the other stuff that has gone on over the years, this one seems to have united the fan base um, Like you know, what inspired uh, the 16 plus groups to get together and write this letter, Joanne? Yeah, so I, I think you're right I think that the Wenger in and out um, you know campaign that split fans and it was it was really detrimental to the club and and the fan base as a whole and and what happened was you know people obviously had this loyalty to to Arsene Wenger and I I can understand that um with with what's going on at the moment and with sort of Kroink at the helm there isn't that loyalty to him and and I think what happened is is some of these groups started talking between themselves and then words uh, words got out and there was a couple of people who have been instrumental in this in bringing everybody together and we literally we met people were invited um the bloggers all the groups kind of people who had a very big reach met and um in a pub on holloway road about six weeks ago now and had the honest conversation and um and, and we had to iron out differences as well we had to work out you know are we all together on this and and we got there in the end and they talk about like the fans have never felt so marginalized and never listened or valued before uh, you know what, and we feel that arsenal's at a crossroads and and things need to change what needs to change 
Yeah, I think one of the things that that, that has, you know, that the Arsenal haven't always been very good at is communicating um, with the fan base. It feels as though, uh, you know, we're not just at a crossroads, but we're kind of um, stagnant almost. And, and it's that that needs to change. So we've seen a huge change in personnel behind the scenes. Most of them have been in place now 12 months. But, you know, arguably we haven't really seen any change on the pitch at all. And there's this feeling of, you know, where are we? What's the strategy? Why aren't the club communicating this strategy? One of the things that, that Josh had put in his response letter was that we now have the final piece um, of the jigsaw. You know, and really that's, that's saying, well, actually, in a few months' time, or certainly by this time next year, we should be seeing a massive difference. We don't want to be having this conversation again that we're still working towards change. And they touched on topics. Uh, Dan, you might know a little bit more about this, the, the European, European League. League. Um, yeah, a little bit. I can't say I'm too knowledgeable on it, but I, th I think it is a big worry for a lot of fans. Obviously, football is becoming more of a business and you know it's all about the, it's all about money and what can be made from it and i think the the european super league is probably an attempt to do that we've obviously got the champions league and the europa league system at the moment i think that works perfectly fine there's no no real issues there it's as i say probably just a case of trying to get some more money out of it really and Trev, uh, you know and i know what it can be like sometimes on, on the north bank um the atmosphere can be absolutely fantastic uh, like the 4-2 against Spurs last season um, where I end up crowd surfing across block five um, or it can be just in the majority of cases dire what do you think that this group of fans need to do to try and help getting um, getting a better atmosphere in, in, in the stadium never mind just the North Bank well it, what we what they need to do, I'm not completely sure of Fergus. I, I think there's this 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 week uh, the you thing that that came from nowhere to me. You just your fan on the street has already, from my from my view, had a massive impact. There's no way that that Josh Cronkey would have put this statement out or even communicated with us without that. Um, but that does create further concern in me in that it clearly shows that he's he's reactionary rather than proactive and to make our club back to get our club back where we wanted to be I, I think we need to be to be proactive um yeah just interested listening to what joanne and uh, dan have had to say already by the way thanks for for letting me join today guys i do appreciate it um we are I, stagnant. I knew you wanted i knew you yeah. wanted to talk about this <laughs> yeah you know but we are stagnant joanne joanne's right but but what we've got to be careful of is 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 Josh mentioned this the Arsenal model, which from me, the fan on the streets perspective, is saying that we're not going to sling loads of money into the club. We're going to get by. We're going to keep on buying these players, hoping that we'll get the the Thierry Henry signing again, which we know probably will never happen. Hopefully, it will. But the biggest worry for me, and the biggest impact that this 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 group needs to have is that other clubs are progressing around us. And if we continue as we are, we're going to be a mid-table side very, very shortly at best. And just one last thing before before you go back. Um, it's massive support coming in. Massive support. But there is still the odd one. Someone had a pop at me on uh, on Twitter yesterday and told me that I was uninformed, misunderstanding and that I know nothing. 
probably about right actually but at least i'm making an effort so yeah dan you were going to say something yeah you were talking a bit there about the arsenal model and obviously that was a big part of what uh josh wrote in his letter to the fans um it's from what i understand the new model will be buy low sell high and that's how things are going to be under this new system i think if you look at the the deal for gabriel martinelli obviously six million pounds 18 year old brazilian teenager that's the kind of transfers we're going to be seeing i think over the next few years of bring them in for cheap develop them sell them for high and that's how we're going to keep turning a profit and hopefully move us back into the champions league places but as you say in previous years especially under wenger it's been a case of trying to find these unknown players people like patrick vieira thierry Henry. that we, that can't be done anymore the way football is now you've got scouts all over the world who who go to games in far-flung places and go and see teams that you've probably never heard of there's scouts everywhere you're not going to there's no no such thing as an unknown player anymore in my opinion so I think that's going to be a big big struggle for Arsenal in terms of finding these players for cheap because there's going to be so many scouts so much interest Joanne? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think Dan's hit the nail on the head there. I mean, we know that, you know, we have to have a different approach to how we're running our football club and how we are um, translating that on the pitch. Um, I think the model, obviously, we're trying to adopt what Liverpool um, have been very successful in doing, but they've also invested money. And that's that's obviously the critical area for us because there hasn't been any investment. And, you know, and Josh spoke about, you know, how we are, you know, how our ambition is to win trophies and and to be challenging that isn't impossible now without any investment at all john can i ask you a question um why Why now now? and not when the club's finances were wasted um and slow the decline of the club so when uh the previous manager gazides when when he transpires basically cocked everything up why 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 is this letter coming out now Okay, I think it's coming out now because obviously when Arsene Wenger was there, that this split everybody and there was some feeling around that what we needed to do was we needed to have a change of manager first. Um, and I will give the club, you know, some, some credit because they made massive changes behind the scenes. The problem is, is when you make such huge changes all at one time, and it, and it does take time, you know, that, that probably wasn't the smartest move of them, you know, to do everything in one go. But now, Wenger is out of the equation. And, and I think that particularly with this window, this has really, really gathered momentum, you know, towards the end of last season and, and um, mid-season. So it is about, everybody is looking at what money is going to be spent. What players are we going to sign? So that really was the catalyst to bring everybody together now, whilst we're all, whilst we're all wanting the same thing and on the same page. Yeah, I just... Just talk, we're here to talk about Cronky, obviously. Cronky started buying shares in the Arsenal, what was it, in 2007, yeah? So, you guys, Dan, Joanne, when can we say he was actually running or controlling the club? I mean, we've made big changes over the last year, but how long has he actually been in control? Is it longer than that? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would definitely say it's been um, longer than that. You know, what, what he did, he knew what he was doing from the beginning. Very, very slowly, over the years, he has just slowly um, bought up these shares. And as supporters, you know, we missed we missed the opportunity. We should have, you know, done something beforehand. But there wasn't the appetite for it then. So he certainly has had control um for much longer. I think the other thing is, is, is you know, one of the things now that, that Josh spoke about is in, in his reply to us was around the last 14 months and, you know, almost dismissing the last 10 years and the fact that, you know, this whole regime were complicit in the mess that we're in now. Yeah, I, I, and I, I think that that's correct. I, th I think um, the former share major shareholders, uh, probably with the exclusion of Uzhmanov because he was always the antagonistic um, shareholder, um, they are very, very complicit in one, making sure that Uzhmanov didn't get in whether you wanted him or not, and two, to make sure that Stan eventually got control and, and full power. Um, I suppose the other things that they touched about in the letter was uh, talking about the atmosphere with safe standing. Uh, is there any progress from any to know if safe standing will ever come to um, the Emirates Stadium? Dan, do you know anything? Um, from my understanding, there is a camp, there is some sort of campaign that wants to introduce safe standing. There's, it's not had necessarily that much response and backing and I think it's important that it was addressed in the uh, We Care Do You letter. Um, but it, in terms of the atmosphere and the way the Emirates has changed the club, I don't think it's necessarily been a positive thing. Obviously Highbury was, was a fantastic stadium in terms of the atmosphere and everyone loved it. I don't think there's a single Arsenal fan who say, who'll say I didn't love Highbury. You know, it was a superb place to watch football. There was brilliant atmosphere. We made great memories there. And I think that's probably part of the issue with the Emirates. There's not been that many great memories made there. And the current situation we're in, I don't see many being made in the near future. Well, we were sold a dream, weren't we? We were sold a dream, um, and Trev, you've mentioned it many times before, we were sold a dream that the reason we had to move to the Emirates was to compete with the likes of then Manchester United, Barcelona's Real Madrid's, and now we're competing with maybe the likes of West Ham and uh, Leicester and Wolves just to try and stay in the top six. Trev? Yeah, there was Fergus. Um in, in Dan's newspaper itself, I can remember reading many years ago about the, all the reasons we were moving. But but going back to the atmosphere, you see, guys, when 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 the last few years at Highbury were, were super, super... Um, we were brilliant, weren't we? You know, and, and the atmosphere created itself, and, and that's never really happened at the Emirates. And, and the Emirates is capable of creating an atmosphere, as we've seen at times. You know, Fergus mentioned it earlier with the game against Tottenham last year. I can remember the season before when we came back from behind and beat Leicester first game of the season. Wow, well, I think it was 4-3. Yeah. Wasn't it 4-3? What a day that was. So, Danny, Danny Welbeck goal. Absolutely. And so there can, there can be an atmosphere in that stadium. And, and although the fans are responsible for making the atmosphere, the, the players, the, the, the team, the performances from the players are equally responsible for, for creating the atmosphere, you know? And we've not had that, have we? We've not had that. So, it's, no. uh, you know, just, you just, just I'm not going to dwell on Wenger because I, I won't speak badly about Wenger. I wanted him out for, for a long time, but I wouldn't, I, I couldn't, with the history, I couldn't slate the man too much, you know? But, 
he stayed too long. Gazidis wasn't ideal. Uh, but I'd, I'd love to specifically know, and you guys can't answer this, how we've ended up with the wages we're paying. Basically, Europa League players at best, you know. We're in a mess, aren't we? And and I want to, you know, we need to, we need to, the fans are now standing up and saying, hey, we're not happy, which is needed, you know. Joanne? Yeah, I, I mean, back to Trez's point about the atmosphere, I think that the atmosphere, I think we all have a responsibility for the atmosphere, but ultimately we know what happens when, when we're playing well and the Leicester game was a great example. That was a you know brilliant day and we've had you know really great days against Tottenham and Chelsea and Man United. Um, but we also, as supporters, we can't always complain about the atmosphere, but then roll into the ground 10 minutes late, leave 10 minutes before half-time and then leave 10 minutes before the end. It is well a two-way thing. Thing. Well said. Dan, did you um, want to add more to that? I, that? That point has just resonated with me so much about fans arriving 10 minutes late and leaving 10 minutes early. I, I completely understand that there's travel issues and fans want to avoid the big queues. But you paid your money to come and watch the football. So why don't you stay and come and watch the football? And there's nothing that frustrates me more than seeing that. And I think that is part of the big issue with the atmosphere because a lot of kind of having that atmosphere starts before the game. You know, you want that big roar when the players first walk out. You want to hear the fans shouting the players' names when the teams are announced. That's what you want. You've got that young uh, organisation. I know there was only a few of them at um at Boreham Wood, but the Ashburton Army, uh, they're trying to do something. The young gooders, which are about 17, 18 years of age, and they're trying to create that, not necessarily ultra, but, you know, that, that sort of more European sort of feel down in the clock end against uh, where the uh, away fans are. Um, you know, Joanne, you were going to say something, and then Dan, I think you've got something to say as well. Joe, you go first, and then Dan afterwards. Yeah, we, we touched on this a little bit last night at the strategy meeting. One of the guys from Red Action said actually they had done some research um, with the club and the optimum crowd um, is between something like, you know, 12 minutes and, you know, 34 minutes. That is the only time during the game. That's when we have our highest crowd actually in the ground um, because people wow. are literally in and out. So we have a very, very small window of opportunity where people are focused at what's going on in the pitch as supporters we have to change that is 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 that not uh, aided that that those those gaps in time is that not aided by the absolutely dog shit poor service that we get in the bars and the catering uh, areas for the normal fans if, if if you want a beer at half time um in the north bank you've got a somebody in your crowd has to go out 10 15 minutes beforehand the queues i've been out there before and gone out on 45 minutes and queued and haven't even got a beer by the time the second half starts again so surely that could be something could be added to the list i know it's way down on the lists but surely something could be done about that who wants to come back on that one yeah i i I, yeah again it's something we've been compiling um kind of questions for the question and answer session next week and certainly that issue has come up and it is it's not a priority right now but it is something that we need to take forward um 
Yeah, I think it's a bit of everything. I think it's that. I think it's just difficult for people to get a drink at half time. I think also there's an apathy, isn't there? You know, I mean, let's say, I mean, I don't ever go downstairs at half time, um, but I sit there, you know, with 10 minutes to go watching the sideways football, the, you know, backwards passing and, and your clock watching the whole time. So, yeah, it, it's a bit of everything. Dan, you were going to say something? Yeah, two two points. You mentioned obviously the Ashburton Army, the younger generation of fans. We we've talked quite a bit about Highbury, and I, I I was obviously kind of part of the last generation to 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 you know go to Highbury, and I think a lot of younger fans obviously only are the Emirates, and we need to we need to change the atmosphere for them. You know, they they know Arsenal football covers having this massive stadium that's way too quiet and underachieving and not succeeding the way they used to. Uh, and the second point you mentioned, obviously, about queuing for beers and the atmosphere. Um, my girlfriend's really into rugby, and I went to Twickenham a few months back, I think it was for Bath against Bristol. And just the way the way that things are run there in terms of, in comparison to the Emirates, is worlds apart. You've got, you don't have to queue for a beer. You literally wait two minutes, get your beer, you're out. Because you're, t- you're treated like an adult. You're allowed to bring your beer yeah. into your seat. Yeah, and I think... Obviously, you know, in the 80s, there was obviously this massive concern about hooliganism, but times have changed. You know, you will obviously always have a rowdy group of fans at a football game. You have rowdy groups of fans at any sport you go to. It's just part and parcel of it. I think with rugby, there's always a bigger guy behind you who'll tap you on the shoulders. But the way they managed to build the atmosphere as well before the game, you know, there was a big build up to it. It felt. It was it was a premiership game. Obviously, it was at Twickenham and against local rivals, but it was a simple premiership game. It wasn't like it was a cup final, but they made it feel like it was. And I think that's something that you know we need to do at Arsenal. We need to find a way to make it feel like every game matters because obviously every game matters to us, and that's you know one of the big parts of the uh, We Care the You campaign. I think that something needs to change, and it, it needs to be done soon. Trev, did you want to add any more to that? Yeah, I've, I've got a list, Fergus. <laughs> <laughs> Looking, you're running out you know, of pencil. Getting, getting away from the ground after, yeah. Even when we were at Highbury, it's uh, it was it was it was. You still had to queue, you know. It, there was no getting out of the ground quick. But I'm sure that when 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 they first built the Emirates, there was a plan to upgrade Holloway Road Station, you know, and that would really help now. And Drayton Park. Park, which is not even open on a match day. So there's there's something to look at, and I I can't even see why the Arsenal have not been in conversation with um, with Network Rail or whoever runs the railway nowadays to put in a halt there by by the stadium, like like they had at Old Trafford, you know. Um, so there are options to to stop. I mean, I lived a long long way away from the ground, and when it the, the one the five part eight, past eight kickoffs that we had the season before last in the Europa League, I had no option but to leave ten minutes before the end because I couldn't bloody get home. You know, um, other than that, the, 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 the upgrades of the local stations would help. Looking at the atmosphere again, these these Ashburton Army boys, right? Like them, loathe them, want them, not want them. They're trying to do make a bit of an effort. And some of 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 the comments I've seen on social media about those young lads are just totally unwarranted. And I saw one this morning that said, "Oh, they were very quiet at Borehamwood because we were laughing at them." Well, of course they're going to be quiet. They're young lads. Don't laugh at them. If you don't want to be involved, leave them be. Don't give them hard time. Let them try. Don't give them hard time. Let yeah. them try. 
Yeah, I would yeah. I would agree with that completely. You know, they, these lads, they were at Boreham Wood a few weeks ago and they are, they're loud and, you know, and they're active and they organise themselves actually really well. My son has met up with them a few times. He goes down to block 26 before the game. I'm not quite sure what they get up to, but he comes back looking a bit hot. Um, but yeah, um, the other thing, Trev, that you said was about at Highbury, about queuing to get on the, the tube and whatnot. Um, you know, and, and and the obviously the the toilet at the top of the North Bank where there was, you know, 20,000 of us trying to get into one toilet whilst people are queuing up to get a bovril that you then inevitably had down your back as you're walking back to your space in the North Bank. But actually, none of these things mattered because we all belonged. We all felt that sense of belonging. It was our club. And and that's that's the thing. That's the thing that we have to work on with the club even further. Because because when we feel as though we belong, we used to we used to watch the players go in the ground, didn't we? Now they are just so far, they're so detached from us. We don't see them. And they um, used to walk down Annaville An 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 Road, didn't they? I did it. I mean, I remember doing it with Rocky. I remember getting off the tube with Rocky and walking up to the ground with him I was probably about 11 at the time he was holding his boot bag and in he went and um, you know I don't know why the, the club seem to think we're such at risk um, you know of being close to our own players I've got one question for you Joanne um, what's the overall goal for this and will it continue past the summer Okay, yes. Yeah. So so we all know this is a long game. This is a long game and this is about change and we've we've you've we've been really really clear initially on what we're focusing on. There were loads of issues to focus on. But certainly, you know, we have real momentum. There's there's a lot of us who are who are very active. Um, there's some very, very smart guys, you know, behind this and, and they know the club inside out and they have really good contacts. So yes, we have a strategy, we have a plan, we're moving forward. Um, we have just been, you know, obviously blown away at the response. We expected a decent response, but you 100, know, thousand people. Uh, have... uh, yeah, that's right. What we have to do is we've got a hundred thousand people because there has been, you know, this has been delivered um, in a well-organized and reasoned way. Okay, so so that the cronk out stuff doesn't work. You know, we, people have been saying that for the last couple of years, and actually, all it led to was him buying up the remaining shares. So so that doesn't work. What we're about is change and we've got to give, we've got to ask the questions first. And as we said, you know, we're watching and um, we're watching with interest. So we do have a plan um, going forward and we're hoping to, there's, you know, there's some of us going to the question and answers next week. And so we're hoping that the club will cover um, some of the, some of the points that we've raised. I think they probably will. I don't think they can ignore it. But right now, you know, we're, we're grateful that we had a response from, from Josh, a source. We're working on our response to him and we're working on the best way to deliver that. Is there is there anything on that strategy or plan that you can share with us or has that been held till after the 25th? Um, there isn't, I, I can't really share too much at the moment. Um, I think there'll be stuff coming out over, over the next few days. The 25th is an important date for us because, because we will know then how seriously the club are taking us, I think. And then we go from there. So we do have, you know, we have, nothing's off the table is what I would say. Um, we're prepared for a response. We're prepared for, um, not getting a response from them and, and we're ready. We're ready for either.
Okay, thanks. Dan, did you have anything you wanted to add on there? Because I see you stuck your hand up. Uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to ask Joanne what if if that letter from Josh would have come from Stan, would that have made a difference? Do you think? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I think that, you know, Josh is now the spokesperson for the club. It's as simple as that. We're not going to get a direct um, dialogue with, with Stan. That, that's just not going to happen. I think that Josh um, wants to communicate more, um, if, if I'm honest. I think that he's, he's put this out. That was a brave move for Arsenal Football Club to do that. I've never known in, in the kind of 33 years that I've been following us, I haven't known them, them do this and do it in such a timely manner as well. So, you know, we know it's had an impact. Um, I think Josh is the one we, we have to go through and he's made it very clear that he represents his father. So we can't, we can't go banging on Stan's door um, too much more. He's simply not going to answer it. And that is one of the problems. And that's one of the points that we were really, really pushing is we need leadership that is visible and we need to be communicated to and we need to understand what the strategy is because we're still none the wiser. Dan, go on. I think I just kind of add some balance. I do have to uh, give Josh a bit of, not too much, obviously, but um, a bit of a bit of praise for kind of fronting up and, as Joanne says, you know, putting out this letter and, for the first time in ever many years, having this open line of communication between the ownership of Arsenal Football Club and the fans. I think there was obviously mixed reaction to the letter. A lot of people just, you know, were saying it's, it's words, it doesn't make a difference, we need action. A lot of people were saying, you know, we're, we're happy with this response. We've got one, you know, it's a start, it's a beginning. Obviously, Joanne's saying it's, this is going to be a long process and that's completely understandable if we do want change. But I think Josh should be given some credit and I think... If if there is going to be this open line of communication, he's the one to go through, and he seems he seems not not bothered, but more bothered than Stan. Obviously, he acts as his spokesperson in a way. But I feel like if we are going to have this change, it has to go through him because he's the most kind of vocal and visible figure in terms of the ownership. And and, and he's he's a younger, fresher version of of. Um of Stan like he turned up at the pre-season although people did slag him off a world at NA Rams but just yeah in terms of that event from what I understand it was a joint Arsenal LA Rams event which I think a lot of people didn't realise or kind of took out of context yeah just to add a bit of balance to it modern social media Dan modern social media of course <laughs> um th- John, I don't know, you might have answered this question that, that I've got. So the, the the next one was, what's the next step after the letter and what are you plan, planning to do if the demands are met? I suppose, I'll let you answer, but I think I know what the answer is for now. Okay, um, I mean, first of all, if, you know, if we manage to get the answers to, to the questions and, and we weren't expecting the club just to come out and say, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, Josh gave a fairly standard response, but Dan is absolutely right. And we are... Um, you know, as a as a strategy group, um, we appreciate that actually he responded because he didn't have to, um, you know, but he did respond. So the next steps will be, you know, if all, if everything is met, um, you know, then we have a very long list of, um, of other things. What we want is we want to open up an ongoing dialogue. We want to um, represent um, the fans. And, and I think we are, like you say, 100,000 people have signed up to this petition. Many others, you know, do support it and, and haven't signed up because they're not necessarily on social media 
media. So I'm hoping this will bring in a new era for us to communicate with the club and um, in, in, in a new way to, to kind of get things done. They've got a new regime um, in place. So actually it's a really good opportunity for us to have a, a louder voice in that. Trev, did you have anything that you wanted to add? Because I know you stuck your hand up a few minutes ago. Yeah, just going back to to talking about Josh there. We mentioned it on Guns and Yellow Ribbons, I think, last year, Fergus, in that uh, my thoughts are that Stan is probably saying to Josh, here you go, son. There's Arsenal Football Club. Prove to me you can run a business. Show me what you can do. And and, and Josh sort of confirmed that within the statement when he said, and Joe, I, I was just writing it down, got to the last word, and Joanne said it. Thanks, Joe. Um, um, you know, oh, God, I've thrown myself off track now. You can't read no, your emotion, can you? No, I can't. No, 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 no. Compose yourself, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's all it's all that hot weather out there. It is, it? yeah. But no, I think I think that it is all to do with Josh now. I don't think Stan's going to get involved. Um, I love the I love what Joe's. He's seventy odd years of yeah, age. That's right. Yeah. So he's saying to him, "Prove yourself to me, son. See what you can do." I do worry. I said it just now that mm. what he's done is reactionary. The fans have had to make him jump. But I do, I do, I do so agree with what Joe's saying about fans being valued by the club. I think if you did a, 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 a survey around the club on match day of fans and asked them that simple question, "Do you feel valued by the club?" at the back end of last season, I don't think you'd have got more than one percent said they did. You know, and that's got to change. And then it all starts building. So I'm loving what I'm hearing here, guys. And and uh, please keep it going. Yeah. So that. That, that that brings me up onto probably my final question around this sort of thing. You talk about the fans, and if you if we questioned fans in in inside the stadium, how valued they would feel, and how belong belonging to the club that they would feel. This movement and this letter and the reaction it's got, or as we said, over a hundred thousand people have signed the petition. Um, there's only sixty thousand that can attend. Uh, um, a game at any time and we know about the empty seats and we can go into that if you want but what can the non-match going fans do the guys like Trev who's in in cos like Manny who you know doesn't get to many games there's there's people all over the country and all over the world we got Boston Ozel in 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 Boston uh what can they do to support and get involved in, in this, this uh, movement, movement Joe. Uh, yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. Um, we've also got the, the fans who um, aren't living overseas, but actually stopped going to games. They stopped going to games because their, their apathy just kind of overtook everything else and they were so fed up. What, what people can do, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you are. If you're Arsenal, you're Arsenal. And um, what we want people to do is to keep on following the campaign, to feed into it as well, you know, because this isn't... The, the, the one thing about this is not an individual group. This is representing, hopefully, all fans. And we've had to, we've had to negotiate between ourselves and have a bit of give and take because what's important to one supporters group isn't so important to the others. So we have to... We have to kind of get that right um so yes what we want people to do is keep sharing the stuff keep following the campaign obviously signing the petition if you haven't already that's really important um yeah just stay on board stay on board you know we're, we're in this for the long haul you know we never thought this was going to be a quick fix um so we're here and here to stay and i, I suppose 
we should stick together and no infighting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what, this has worked so well because there's been complete unity. And and we know how supporters groups have, you know, run o- over the years and they, they all represent their members. But actually, you know, there really hasn't been any of that. People have very, very strong opinions. Um, some people have very big voices and, and some people are, are not um, quite so vocal. But actually, we've we've got there in the end, and we've just got, we're having honest conversations. We're ironing out our differences, um, and we're finding that that common cause. So so yeah, I mean we are we are unified, and and that is the only way this will work if that remains. Um, and I see um, no reason why it won't. Good, Dan. I, I suppose finally closing closing this up a little bit, uh, give you an opportunity to talk a little about the Gazette and you got any ideas on transfers or anything like that? Is there anything you want to? <laughs> I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> um, well, from obviously working with the smaller newspapers, I'm not as well connected as others, um, but things things are looking quite promising. Obviously, there's been lots of reports of players potentially coming in and then things not working out. Um, but it looks as if uh, Danny Caballos from Real Madrid is quite close. Uh, looks like it'll be a loan deal. Um, he's a player that I've watched a few times and that I really like. I think he could be the perfect man to replace Aaron Ramsey. He likes to get forward. He's good with the ball at his feet. Uh, he's got real, real life for goal. I think he could he could do really well for us. It's a shame it's only going to be a loan. Uh, I know he is rated quite highly at Real Madrid. Um, and I think it'll be a case of just come into Arsenal to develop him for a year and see what happens when he goes back. Um, so if in terms of affording him next summer, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, we've not seen how he gets on on his loan spell, but I think he'll do quite well. Um, and then you've got uh, William Saliba as well, who's been rumbling on and on, it seems, <laughs> for the whole window. Uh, that looks quite close as well, obviously, thought of interest from Tottenham, which is a real positive in any situation. Yes. Um he will be going back on loan to Saint Etienne um, for, next, any, for next any, season. Anything on the Zaha front that you're hearing that we're not hearing? Uh, nothing at the moment. Obviously, we, there was that bid that was rejected. Um, I think Arsenal are really going to struggle to match the valuation, obviously, with the financial situation this summer. Um, there's been a bit of talk of a, a swap deal, maybe Chambers going the other way, uh, or two or three players being thrown in. Um, I, I, I heard a quote, if you look at the Zaha situation, 10 years ago, £80 million got you Christian, Cristiano Ronaldo. The, and this this time, £85 million get you mm-hmm. Harry, Harry Maguire. Football yeah. has gone crazy. Nuts. Yeah, I think uh, Joanne has just hit the nail on the head there. Um, the money situation in football is just absolutely bonkers. I mean... You, you look at when Alan Shearer broke the British transfer record, it's £15 million. Like, at, that, at that time, that was a lot of money, but look at what £15 million would get you now. It'd get you about one-third of Squadron Mustafi. Cool. <laughs> would you want pretty... one-third of him? <laughs> <laughs> look, I'll give you one-third. Just take him. Just in bits. <laughs> but yeah, I think the fi- there's obviously a lot been made of the financial situation at Arsenal, and um, the real issue is... is still the wage bill despite the fact we've shifted some big earners it's essentially the club is on a Champions League wage bill earning Europa League money um, yeah, we've been relegated basically essentially financially relegated in yeah. a way yeah um, obviously you've still got Mesut Ozil on the wage bill who's gonna who, who is called I understand his wage is causing a lot of problems in terms of potentially moving him out the door um, his 
his future is up in the air. Um, I think we'll have to wait and see what happens. He really needs to impress Eli Embry. I, I did watch the game last night. I think he played quite well. Um, yeah, Arsenal won two one against Bayern Munich. That doesn't happen very often, does it? <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Okay. I think. Okay, Trev, did you have anything finally to add? Yeah. I- just wanted to thank you all for making me feel exceptionally old with that last line of conversation, guys. I remember when we broke the transfer record for Alan Ball. 250,000. 250,000. Go on, sorry, folks. Listen, uh, it's, it's all right, it's all right. Um, uh, we, I was, the, my positive note I was going to finish on was Arsenal beating Bayern Munich 2-1 last night, but Dan pit me to the post because he's such a journalist. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. Listen, I'd like to thank you all for the effort uh, we put, uh, you put to try and put this podcast together. Um, uh, do please read the uh, articles that Dan puts up on the Island Gazette. They come up on probably on a daily basis. Not, not as bad as some other publications, we might say, Dan, but, you know, at least uh, they're regular. Thanks for the plug, Fergus. Appreciate it. No worries. And Joanne, <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and uh, we will... We will continue to share We Care Do You. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, just thank you for everyone who has signed the petition and, and has been behind us because the only way we can do this is together. So, yes, thank you. You have been listening to an Arsenal podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans, for Arsenal fans. Hashtag We Care Do You. Thanks very much, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.